Hi, and welcome to Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown. I'm Henry Zimmer. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Henry's amazing story on Bruce Land, or as some people call it, Pearlville, Bruce Vegas. I'm the really... Jungle City, as Jungle Bruce Pearl City. has now called it. Yeah, I personally prefer Bruce Vegas. I, I, dude, I love all the names. Uh-huh. Bruce Pearl apparently doesn't want it named after himself. He wants uh-huh. it more of a like a community feel, and it's it's for everybody and not just for him. Yeah. So he was saying Jungle City. I like Bruce Land. I put that in my story. Yeah. It's whatever you make it, I feel like, at this point. It's it's such a creation now. He wants to build a whole pavilion. He's talking to donors probably this afternoon. And Wow. It's going to become a thing, I feel like. I think it's going to come back more and more now that we uh, had it once. It worked out. Nobody got hurt. Trash was minor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it might come back. Awesome. Well, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast writer for The Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support the organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here at Auburn. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. So, Henry, um, I guess let's start from the very beginning. How did you come across this story? Like, when when were you out there? When did people start getting out there? What so my apartment is across the street from the village. Okay. And at about 10 o'clock, I was walking to my 11 o'clock class. Yeah. And so I have to go through the village and go past the arena. And I knew people were trying to camp out. I kind of thought it was a joke. I really wasn't sure people were actually going to mm-hmm. camp out, considering that it was going to be below freezing and raining. Right. So where did you first hear that people were going to camp out? Yeah, so we heard about it kind of throughout the week, and Bruce Pearl talked about it uh, during his midweek uh, press conference. He's like, I heard people are camping out. Like, mm. if they do, we're going to try and get them heaters and whatnot. We're going to try and make sure they're safe and warm and comfortable. I was really encouraged it then. Yeah, he was definitely a big proponent of it. Yeah. But we thought it'd be like 10 crazy kids, you know, the, the, the same kids that sit right behind the scores table uh, at regular games, you know, whatever. It's, right. you know, it's a dozen kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking to my 10 o'clock class and there's like six or seven tents set up. So I took a picture and I was like, dang, like, all right, maybe this is a real thing. Yeah. I go to my 11 o'clock class, go to my 12. I'm done at about 1245. We got out early and I'm walking back through the village to go back to my apartment. And there are trucks on the, or like, uh, Outside of Chick-fil-A on that little, like, kind of patio green space area. Yeah. With kids throwing off coolers, throwing off tents, going <laughs> off, like, heating pads. And there's, like, more than, I don't know, two dozen tents out there. And so at that point, I was like, whoa, okay, hold on. Yeah. The kids are taking this seriously. They're coming and they're staying. So I'm taking pictures, taking pictures, taking videos. And I'm just hanging out, just kind of watching it. There's people just watching this from all over. You mm-hmm. could look into the the village dining, and you could see people just sitting inside in the warm because it was cold. Yeah. Just watching this all develop. So I was like, okay, I'll come back in like two hours. My apartment's right there. Yeah. So I go back, do my homework, eat, take a nap, wake up at like 2.33, and come back. It's even colder now because yeah. the sun is setting. It's kind of almost right behind the village dorms, mm-hmm. and there's 60 tents plus. There's two, 300 kids out there. And at that point, we were like, yep, this they're doing it. So I'm going around talking to these kids, and I'm just like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Like, I know you guys have class. And they were just like, no, we don't. It's Friday. We're playing Kentucky tomorrow. There's no school today. We're camping out. We're getting crazy. So I'm like, okay, fine. Let's find the guys who got here first. So mm-hmm. I walk right up to the front of the arena, right by the team shop, and then these two dudes, good old Southern boys. I mean, these guys 
thick accents. All right. They were bundled up in all their camo. And I'm like, you two know who was here first, 100%. You guys don't care about the cold. And so Mm. I go, dudes, what is the story? And they were like, we got here first. We went downtown last night, Thursday night, got ready, got all our stuff, set the alarm for 6 a.m. They got up at around 5 before the alarm, took all their stuff, took their trucks. They got up before the alarm. They got up before the alarm. They were ready to go. (laughs) They were probably still drunk when I was talking to them. And they got up and they were like, let's do it. Let's camp out. School's optional. This is a once in a lifetime thing, potentially, at least at that point. Yeah. 6 a.m. rolls around. They are planted. They are in their chairs, bundled up because it is colder than heck out there. Yeah. And they sat. And they sat there from 6 to 6 the next day and then till 10 o'clock the next morning before they got inside the stadium. And I saw them from the press box in the student section. They were in the big, uh, the longer part of the student section behind the scores table. I saw both of those guys in the exact same clothes I saw them in from the day before, (laughs) except they had the orange shirts on over it. Yeah. So they were there. They were camping out, and the guys beside them were camping out. And you see the girls Mm. on Twitter that I took a picture of and put in my story, actually, of the jungle couch. Yeah. And one of the girls there was a senior her freshman uh, little sister and all her friends had never been to a basketball game. She was like, what better way to experience basketball than to go live out that day in Bruce Land, Bruce Vegas, Jungle City. Yeah. They went to, you know, Mission Thrift or Harvest Thrift or something, bought a couch for a hundred some bucks, plopped it down, and that's where they sat. And they were there from six that day to six the next day. I mean, these kids were loving it. They didn't care how cold it was. They wouldn't have cared if it was hot. They didn't care if it was snowing. They slept on top of each other. They were smelly. They were drunk. But they were having fun, and it worked. And you see that it worked. And the, the basketball players, the coaches, and the opposing teams all noticed it. The world noticed it. And I hope they do it again. And I think Bruce Pearl shares that same feeling. That's amazing. Oh, it, it's truly crazy. I mean, granted, you know, a lot of big schools that like are traditionally basketball schools like Duke, you know, they have the Cameron Crazies. They have Krzyzewskiville. Mm-hmm. But that's always been a thing. You know, it's fun when you kind of create a new tradition. Sure, it's modeled after something like that. Yeah. But this just feels different in a way. I don't I don't know how yeah. exactly it feels different, but it just feels different. And these kids simply did not care. I mean, it could have been zero degrees, and I don't think there wouldn't have been a difference in the 10 amounts. I really don't. Mm. Those kids, I mean, they had boom boxes. They had beer. They had hand warmers, and they had pizza, and that was all they needed. I mean, they were ready to go. They'd probably still be out there if the school would let them. Yeah. Which are you saying that do other schools have similar kind of, um, I guess traditions isn't the right word. No, but they do. Um, Duke, you know, is kind of the big model, Krzyzewskiville. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how their tickets are set up, but they camp out for days, multiple, to oh get to big Duke basketball games, especially something like when they play uh, like UNC or somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll sit out there in their tents and in their seats for you know, if they play a Saturday game, maybe starting on Wednesday night or Thursday. So Auburn's kind of modeling after that. I think Alabama is now trying to do it uh, for their coming games. We'll mm. see if that works or not, you know, that silly school across the state. <laughs> but yeah, other schools do do this, especially big basketball schools. Mm. And that's the key, big basketball schools. Now you look at Auburn. I think Auburn now qualifies as a big basketball school. They played Kentucky one time this year, beat them. They beat them three times in a row at home. They've made it to the Final Four. They've won SEC championships. They've put kids in the NBA. They win more uh, SEC games than the football team does since Bruce Pearl got here. Mm. I think it is now time to call Auburn a big basketball school. And with traditions like this, it only helps solidify that feeling and that you know worldwide presence of a basketball school is when you start 
things like the Jungle City, which we all thought was a joke, but clearly it is not a joke. Clearly. They are going to come back, I have a feeling, for that Alabama game this weekend. Yeah. So I guess it kind of explained to me, during like the full day and a half, right, uh, leading up to the actual game, what are they doing? Are they just sitting there? Nothing. <laughs> They're not doing anything is the thing. Is That's what a lot of people I was talking to, I was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, pretty much, we just kind of walk in circles to stay warm. And <laughs> that was pretty much it. I mean, there was a couple kids that had cornhole. Uh, there was a couple people, like, brewing coffee. But I think they were doing that more so just to get, like, the heat off, like, the little fire they had. Yeah. Um, they weren't allowed to have, I think, like, exposed flames. Other, I heard some people saying they were going to try and cook out, but they weren't sure, like, the, like, regulations on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Jungle Couch girls, they just pulled the recliner back, pulled the little feet up. Laid down. I mean, they were just sitting there. Kids were some kids, to their credit, were I think doing homework, were on Zoom, like actually trying to go to school. Yeah, but that was all secondary on Friday. Right. They weren't doing anything. I mean, there were some foam footballs laying around. Uh, there were, I think, a kid I saw was like running around with his dog. But other mm. than that, they were literally just sitting there. And again, it was thirty degrees. It was below freezing for, like, most of that day. Right. It only got colder as the day went on. Yeah. And these kids were just sitting there. They did not care. Mm. And that's what's so beautiful about it all is that I don't think, you know, those girls in the jungle couch, they don't know Oscar Sheebway's rebounding numbers. They don't know who really Kentucky is as a basketball team. They probably don't know too much about Auburn basketball. But they knew this was a moment to be an Auburn fan and to be part of the Auburn family and to be at Auburn. This was something you were going to tell for years, decades even. And they were like, we need to be a part of this, no matter what's going on in that arena. You know, gymnastics was that Friday night. They may not have even known gymnastics was going on. Those two dudes I talked to that got there very first, they told me, they were like, we don't know a damn thing about gymnastics, but we know the gymnastics team is good. SUNY Lee is on it. They have pretzels inside. They have bathrooms, and it's hot. We're going in (laughs) when they let us in. And I think most of those people shared that sentiment. And again, the basketball team is the same way. I don't think those guys knew you know, who Jabari Smith's cousin was, Kwame Brown, or Mm -hmm. if they knew where Wendell Green played before he went to Auburn. But they knew this was a moment to be an Auburn fan. This was a moment everyone could kind of lock arms, gather together, and let's get crazy. Let's do it, and let's celebrate this for what it is. And this is for being Auburn. And they did it, and they really, really did it. The kids weren't doing anything in the meantime. They were just literally checking their watches, you know, every two minutes. All right, well, now we're only... 14 hours from when we can get in the unofficial line to then two hours before we can get in the other unofficial line to then only about eight hours till we can get in the official line, which is then three hours to get into the game and then two hours for it to start. I mean, that's literally all they were doing. Oh, my God. And they were loving it. Wow. They were loving it. So how, I guess, um, when it actually came time for the game, how did you see that kind of energy translated into the fan base so i got there at about nine o'clock the doors opened at 10 Mm -hmm. Uh, i was going to go get my media credentials as early as i could so i can get the kind of bird's eye view of the kids running in because we're kind of we're opposite of where the students come in Mm -hmm. so as soon as 10 hit it was like bedlam i mean they like (laughs) dropped the door dropped the gates rather yeah and these kids are running full-on sprinting through the little gate uh, the little ticket counter down the stairs in Auburn Arena, and we're watching them. And they weren't, like, running over each other or anything. It was very – it was organized chaos is really the only way I can put it. Yeah. Is in single-file lines of kids dead sprinting who probably hadn't slept in a day, 
who had mm. only eaten Domino's pizza <laughs> and probably smelled bad, yeah. were just running through Auburn Arena, and they were so excited. I mean, these kids, the smiles on their faces two hours before this game even started was was awesome to see. I mean, they was mm. like, it just like unleashing this rabid crowd. I mean, the kid ran in with a disco ball. I mean, there's kids in eagle costumes. You know, they have the big signs, you know, Kentucky and the big push and pee signs. And they loved it. And there were too many kids. I mean, as you can see that the entire stadium was filled. And when we walked out or when you walk kind of on the concourse levels to get like food or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's just people sitting down. They don't have seats. They don't have standing room. (laughs) Because there's no room to stand. They are sitting on the floor with their backs to the game, watching the game on their phones because they can't see the game, but they know that they're there, and that's all that matters. They didn't care where they were sitting. A lot of those kids were the kids that were camping out too. They didn't care where they were as long as they were there. They can say, hey, we were part Mm. of the crew that was in Jungle City for 24 hours straight, froze our butts off, and we were in Auburn Arena to watch Auburn the number two team in the country, beat the number 12 team in the country, Kentucky, which they're probably one of the five best teams in the country. Mm. And then that will most likely should propel Auburn to be the number one team in the country for the first time in the history of this school. And those kids were there sitting on the floor outside of the bathroom in the Chick-fil-A watching the game on their phones because they can't even see the game. But they were there. Those kids were there. And the crowd was impactful. The whole world saw it. CBS loved it. They have been pumping out Auburn, uh, Auburn like media for the past day and a half, and they're going to keep doing it because it's such a wild experience. Everyone says the jungle is the best place to play or the hardest place to play and the best fan base in the country. Mm-hmm. And it was on full, 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 I cannot emphasize this enough, full display on Saturday. Wow. So I guess, how do you think that um, the energy of the crowd compared to previous games? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crazier. And I say Mm -hmm. that because a lot of these kids, well, actually, sometimes during commercial breaks, the cameras would zoom around and try and catch kids that weren't paying attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, they caught kids sleeping. They literally (laughs) caught kids with their beanies over their eyes, with their heads up against their buddies because they were asleep. Because they were crazy. They were deranged, senile. I mean, they had lost their minds, literally lost their minds. They were probably delusional. Right. And it was rabid. They weren't mean to the Kentucky kids, as far mm-hmm. as I know, and as far as I could see and hear. They weren't, you know, being rude and obnoxious to them, which is key. You want that. You do not want to be the fan base that's known as the really ugly, aggressive fan base. No. Yeah. They were just regular kids just screaming. They didn't care what was happening. Just screaming at this game. And it was the loudest game I'd ever covered at Auburn. I mean, I've covered, you know, a couple dozen games for the basketball team over the past couple years. That game was the loudest for sure. I've gone on the road louder than that. I've been to regular basketball games at other schools louder than that. I've been to professional basketball games louder than that. Everybody in that press box that was tweeting that game, writing about that game, anybody who was covering that for TV or radio, all agreement on 100% across the board. That was the loudest arena they've ever been to. And it was piercing. I mean, it was like almost scary to a point because we're sitting there and I'm shoulder to shoulder with another guy on either side. We're writing our stories. Mm-hmm. I have a radio guy on one side, uh, the Weagle guy on the other side, and the Weagle guy is talking to me, but I cannot hear him. I did not know he was talking to me until he hit me on the leg. He was like, hey, man, who is who just hit that shot? And I was like, I, dude, hold on. Get closer. Because yeah. I cannot hear you. 
and I am bumping shoulders with this guy. So I could only imagine how loud it would have been on the court or behind, you know, the benches or whatever. I don't know how they heard anything. I don't know how the radio guys or the TV guys on the scores table ever got anything to say off because it was so loud and so crazy, so aggressive. And if Auburn does that for every game, I know that's unlikely. It's a tall task. Mm -hmm. But if Auburn does that for every game, they they may never lose in Auburn Arena again because that crowd noise is impactful. It's important. And again, you saw it on full display Saturday with potentially Auburn's biggest win of program history against Kentucky. Mm. I mean, that was insane. Yeah. So you spoke earlier about um, how Bruce Pearl is looking to speak to donors, set up something permanent, you said? Yes. Speak more about that if you can. After the game, uh, you know, Bruce, as he tends to be, all smiles, trying to find the first camera he can get his face into. Mm Mm-hmm. Love that about him. He is he sells Auburn perfectly. He does exactly what he needs to do. And so we're talking to him after the game, and somebody asked him, they're like, you know, you said you wanted to call it Jungle City. What was that all about? And he goes, well, it's not about me. I'm just a guy. You know, I'm just a 62-year-old dude who coaches basketball, and I happen to coach at Auburn, and I happen to have kind of created this monster. And he yeah. goes, it's not about me, though. It's about the kids that are on the team. It's about the kids that have played before. It's about the kids that will play after them. It's about the team, Jungle City. This is about the jungle. And so they were asking him, like, you know, do you do you like this? Like, what are you thinking about this? And he goes, yeah, I really like this. I, I think we can handle it better going forward, which is then insinuating going forward. Oh, so we're doing this again. Yeah. And he's like, I want these kids to have heaters. I want them to have more food supply. And if we're going to keep doing this, and he's like, I don't see why we shouldn't. Yeah. Let's see if we can't make like a pavilion to this. Let's make a, let's make a memorial to this. Let's. You know, see if we kind of can't revitalize that little area outside of Auburn Arena. I don't know if it has a name or anything, but, mm. you know, those steps outside of Aubie Hall that kind of lead to that just patch of dead space. Yeah. If we can't make a pavilion there or something or do something with it to then kind of memorialize Jungle City. And he's like, I am sure I could get on the phone with some people after this game when I'm on my way home and call up some friends and be like, hey, would you front some money for this? And he's like, I am certain that they would put some money towards it because... Again, you saw what what it did. You saw what right. it created, it, what, how important it was. And I think, you know, Bruce is no dummy. He's a salesman for Auburn. Mm. And again, having that type of thing only helps him, which only helps the basketball team, which only helps the school, which then helps the football team, which then helps the basketball team, which then helps him. It all works together. It's all cohesive. Yeah. It only benefits everybody. And he understands that. He wants that. And there's talks every once in a while about him going to another school or whatever, you know. Mm. He's on another team's short list to try and get him out of Auburn. Why would he leave? Why would you build all this to then leave? What right. What is better than this? What What could you possibly do that is better than this? And I don't think there is anything. There's no other job in sports that's like this, especially for somebody like him, especially for a guy who's so open and so out there. And he, he loves the media and he loves the students. He loves the fans. He loves this. He lives this. He'd be out there right now shirtless if they'd let him. Right. He is enamored with it, and the students and the fans are enamored with him. So mm-hmm. I think a creation of some sort of, I don't know what it will be, some pavilion, quote-unquote, if you will, will be in the works potentially over this summer. I really think that if Auburn does this once or twice uh, going forward for the rest of this season, and who knows, if, I mean, if they win some big games in March— it may come sooner than we think. So yeah. I think there's a real life possibility that some sort of, you know, quote, jungle city pavilion mm-hmm. 
will be out there in the village. I really do. Yeah. It's almost like we're kind of witnessing the beginning of like a new Auburn tradition. It is that we're watching history unfold. We are literally a part of history as we go to Auburn. You know, we never we haven't won like a football national championship. We haven't won a basketball national championship. Right. But these are the things you do to then put yourself in a position to win those type of things. Yeah. You know, kids across the nation see this, you know, 17-year-old kids that are trying to decide where they want to go to college, you know, they have Auburn and another school. And you look at things like how deranged and how in love Auburn fans are with basketball right now. And you're like, that probably outweighs another school. Yeah. And again, it's only beneficial to Auburn to have this type of thing be a thing. It's only good for the school, which is then good for everything. So we are literally a part of history. Who knows where it'll go from here? Because it is completely out in the open and only time will tell. Well, thank you, Henry. Yeah, thank uh, you for so your much. Amazing story. Uh, thank you. Everything. What a what an insane moment. It was a whirlwind weekend, but it is definitely one I will not forget, probably ever. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, from the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet Eleven Eleven. I'm Trice Brown. I'm Henry Zimmer, and we will see you next week. <laughs>